Hey Church of the Beloved, thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Today's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee. He's preaching from Leviticus chapter 9 verses 1 through 7 and verses 22 through 24. Um, so back in February, uh, I had my 49th birthday, and a bunch of y'all uh, chipped in, and uh, you got me a birthday gift, which is this custom-made suit. So uh, I'll tell you, I was when I got the gift certificate, um, I was awed. I was just so moved by your generosity, and I promised each and every one of you that, uh, that contributed to this that as soon as it was done, I'd wear it on stage. And so you can see how it looks. And I'll tell you, um, I think this proves that if I don't wear Uggs and sweats, or if I don't dress as, um, Susie, I think was it, a coastal grandma, if I don't dress in that style, I can actually clean up pretty nicely. So I'm not going to do this on a regular basis, Jonah. I don't care. Uh, These shoes, not going to be a thing. Um, But we started off this sermon series uh, about a month ago, the sermon series on Leviticus, and we're calling it the blueprint of our redemption. And I'm so glad our senior pastor, Pastor Clint, has been taking on the lion's share of the preaching. Uh, my wife and I, we have definitely been so encouraged by your messages, Clint. Uh, if you haven't heard them yet, I would encourage you. Go to our YouTube channel. Uh, they're also available as podcasts on Spotify, on Apple. As a total tangent, Jonah has also updated our website with new pictures and stuff like that. Check it out. It's actually really nice. Um, but Clint, Pastor Clint has been doing an amazing job uh, of revealing who God is from this ancient scroll, giving each of us an understanding of the context behind the laws and the beauty of our God that can be seen in these words. And one of the things Pastor Clint preached on a few weeks back was um, uh, something I want to expand on today a little bit more, is our call to be holy. And I want to come back to it because I think it's it's, uh, fundamental to understanding what today's passage and Again, Susie, thanks so much for reading that for us. But it's what I think fundamental to understanding what I want to emphasize from today's scripture passage. Because we are called to, we're supposed to be holy. God calls us to be holy. He does it a bunch of times throughout scripture. And Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, um, God commands Israel. He says, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. He does this again uh, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. He says in 19, verse 2, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So this command to be holy is part of the Israelites' DNA. It's supposed to be, you know, define who they are. You see it again, actually, in the New Testament, too. Peter Uh, reminds his readers of this same truth to be holy. In chapter 1, verse 14 to 16 of 1 Peter, it says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The call to be holy is for God's chosen, for God's beloved. Right? So we have to ask the question, what does it mean to be holy? Right? Being holy, I think, is being connected, being in proximity to, being near God. When we are holy, when you're holy, you're drawn closer to our creator. Right? 
And in order to be that, to be holy, to be made holy, we have to understand that we need to be separated from the common. Okay? And uh, let me read to you Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10. 10 verse 10, it says this, You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. So to be made holy, we need to be separated from the common, okay? Now, then the next question is, what is common? And common, if you look at it, the original Hebrew word for common is chol, all right? Old school translations, if you look at King James Version, chol was translated to profane, which has got some baggage. I like the word common personally, but basically the word hull or profane or common, the word is intended to refer to things that are ordinary, like things that are from the earth, from dirt, common things. Now, things that are hull, that are common, are not necessarily bad things, okay? Common or profane things, they're not innately evil. Soccer or football, if you're more pretentious. You know, soccer is... Cold. It's common, but not bad. Musicals, as Jonah will say, is cold, but not bad. Maybe good for him. The Cubs are cold, but not... Actually, I don't know if they're bad. Are they bad? Who knows? Yes, okay, they're bad. <laughs> and common. They are cold. So to be holy is to transform the profane, the common, the cold to holy. You have another word at the other side of the spectrum. It's called uh, defile, defilement. So to, to defile something is to take something that's holy and to treat it as common. You know, to try to come to God who is holy like he is common. To try to come to the tabernacle, God's house, that's holy. But try to come to it like it's common. And this is, would have been seen by God in the Bible, the Old Testament, as defiling the holy. See, Leviticus was Israel's blueprint. It is our guide to how we can bring the common, the profane, the whole, to a state of purity, to be holy, so that the holy could be drawn near to God. You see in chapters 1 to 7, it lays out a whole bunch of different types of offerings that, that will allow the offerer to be holy so that they can be in God's presence and so that God can dwell near. I want to remind you of what one of those sacrifices look like in uh, Leviticus chapter 6, verse 24 to 27. This is just an example of a sacrifice for the sake of becoming holy. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most Holy. And the priest who offers it for sin shall eat it in a holy place it shall be eaten in the court of the tent of meeting. Whatever touches its flesh shall be holy. When any of its blood is splashed on a garment, you shall wash that on which it was splashed in a holy place. <coughs> so God is providing a bunch of instructions, a bunch of processes for his beloved to be made holy, pure, ritually pure, so that they can draw near to him in his tabernacle. <coughs> then we have uh, a transition. In chapter 8 and 9, we transition uh, to instructions on how to consecrate or set up the priesthood of Aaron, who happens to be Moses' brother. Now, 
we have, for the first time, our first anointed high priest. And uh, just to nerd out a little bit, the Hebrew for this is the Mashiach Cohen, or Messiah Cohen. Now, I don't know if you know this, by the way, uh, Pastor Clinton Haley, their second son, his name is Cohen. Grab them for a cup of coffee or dinner, ask them to tell you the story about their kid's name. If you don't know, it's a great story. Um, I won't ruin it. Ask them. Anyway, Mashiach Cohen, right? It is in Leviticus that you see this for the first time, the word Messiah, anointed one. It's the first time being used. And, and in chapter 8, there are all these instructions of how the first Mashiach, Messiah, is to prepare them, himself to, to represent the people to God and for God to present himself to the people. I want to read to you Leviticus chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 9. Leviticus chapter 8, starting with verse 1, it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil and the bull of the sin offering and the two rams and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water, and he put the coat on him and tied the sash around his waist and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod on him and tied the skillfully woven band of, uh, of the ephod around him, binding it to him with the band. And he placed the breastpiece on him, and in the breastpiece he put the urim and the thummim. And he set the turban on his head, and on the turban, in front, he set the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. I want to mention something about uh, the tabernacle, which is referenced here. Back in Exodus, uh, you see God giving very specific instructions on every aspect of how, it, how the tabernacle should be built. Because it was God's intention to dwell in that place. It was going to be his house right, among his beloved. And those instructions, they allowed Israel to get a glimpse of heaven, a glimpse of heaven on earth, a little reminder of the Garden of Eden. And then God calls everyone in this ceremony to the entrance of this heavenly replica. You have this imagery of people gathered in the front of the gates of the Garden of Eden hoping to enter in once again. You have this heavenly image. And, and, and then, then he gives Aaron and his kids brand new custom-made suits. You, you see what I did? See what? <laughs> I've been reading this book. It's by uh, a guy named Makaro Fujimara. Uh, it's called Art Plus Faith. Um, now, Fujimara, he speaks to this underlying theme of how beauty is uh, an often forgotten part of God's creation. Right? There, there's a quote that caught my eye in this book. He said that the word of God is active and alive. So often God the artist communicates to us first before God the lecturer. Fujimara, his point is that God the artist uses beauty. God the artist uses the beauty of his creation, the beauty of everything that God has brought into existence. God uses beauty to communicate himself to his creation. So this new outfit that was custom made for Aaron 
for the priests, it was intended to be aesthetically beautiful. It was intended to represent God to the people and to show the beauty of God to his beloved. God, the artist, was creating a masterpiece through and for his chosen. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 2, it actually says very specifically, And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So this is where we're at right now. So the temple has been set. The sacrifices have been made so that the Mashiach Cohen, the anointed ones, might represent the people to God. And Aaron and his kids, they're beautifully dressed to represent the beauty and the glory of God to the people. That's where we're at. And then we come to day one of Aaron's job as the first anointed high priest. The very first high priest is about to start his work. And the first thing Aaron has to do is shown in chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, as Susie read. I'm going to reread just verses 1 and 2 again. It says, On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. Now, here's the first of just two points that I want to make today. And yes, all of that that I share so far is just context and background. This, here's, here's what I'd like to take away uh, first. God, in preparing to use Aaron, the very first official duty God gives, it is intended to remind Aaron that his role as Mashiach Cohen is because Aaron is forgiven. It's because of God's grace alone that Aaron can serve, that does serve. Up to this point, here's, here's something to note here. The, the sacrificial animals that have been referenced in Exodus and Leviticus, every time God references things like a bull, a goat, a ram, a dove, a pigeon, grain. But here, the words are very explicit. God instructs Aaron to take a bull calf. See, after escaping Egypt, the Israelites, and while they're gathered at the mount, uh, a foot of Mount Sinai, Aaron led the people of Israel in one of the greatest failures of his life, the submitting to the will of the Israelites instead of obeying the word of God. Aaron, he created an idol against God's very explicit command not to, and he created an idol for the people of Israel to worship. Some of you may not be familiar with the story. I'm going to just give you a quick synopsis of uh, what I'm referencing here. Moses uh, had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. They're gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses goes up the mountain, spends some time with God, getting the commandments written up. And he was gone for so long, though, that the folks on the bottom, they're starting to freak out a little bit. So they go to Aaron and say, hey, uh, we think Moses is dead. So we need a different God to worship. And Aaron ends up gathering up everyone's gold, burns it down, and makes a golden calf. So, God gets pissed. Moses breaks some tablets. People die. And God threatens to just write off the Israelites and say, forget it, I'm just starting over with you, Moses. It was all because Aaron created a calf that he called the people of Israel to worship. They do a hard cut to our scene today. And the very first thing that Aaron has to do now <clears throat> in his role as Mashiach Cohen 
is to sacrifice a calf. Not a bull, not a ram, a calf. That word is specific. He has to destroy it. He has to give it to God. He's opening a wound and pouring some salt in there now. Uh, by the way, if you're not familiar with that idiom, I acknowledge that poor open wound, poor salt. It's a very boomer term, and I apologize. Basically, it means something being reminded that something bad happened. All right? But moving on, I want to read to you from John chapter uh, 21. John chapter 21, verse 15 to 17, says this. This is after Jesus had resurrected and he was hanging out with the disciples. And it says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. My first point is this. It is God's grace alone that allows me to serve God. God chooses to use me not in spite of me. God chooses to use me not because of anything I've done. God chooses to use me not because I'm awesome or look amazing in a suit. God chooses to use me because he loves me. God chooses to use you because he loves you, and he chooses to use you through you. I mean, see, God sees all the baggage that you have. God sees all the trauma you've experienced. God sees all the times that I've stumbled, and God says, Abe, sacrifice that calf and then do my work. See, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, saw what Simon did. Jesus predicted what Simon Peter would do. Jesus predicted that when questioned, Simon would deny his relationship with Jesus three times. And that's exactly what Simon did. Simon Peter, the rock on which the church would be established. Simon Peter abandoned his friend, abandoned his mentor when he was at his lowest point. But Jesus uses that experience. And says to him, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, love my beloved. God saw what Aaron did. Aaron, the one that God identified and said, you will be the Messiah, Messiah Cohen. You will be the anointed one that would represent God to his beloved, to my beloved. And, and, and he saw, God saw him blatantly take and collect and methodically take all that gold, melt it down, make it into a cow, and then say to everyone, hey, everyone, here's your new God, the one that got you out of Egypt. Egypt. Now you can worship that. But God saw this. And God used Aaron, not in spite of his sin, God used Aaron in his experience, cleansed him of it and said, now, do my work. 
my folks live in New York, uh, and I'm pretty sure they watch our live stream. That's what we think. Suzette and I will get these random Kakao Talk messages, and if you're not familiar with Kakao Talk, it's basically Messenger or GroupMe or WhatsApp, whatever, but mainly for Koreans. Uh, if you're not Korean, you can still have it. We're not that racist, but just mainly Koreans use it. But we'll get these random images from my mom, pictures that she's taken with her phone of my dad's laptop, of me in a small square with the YouTube thing around it. They're not very good with tech, so I have to say I'm impressed that she can take a picture. With, I'm impressed that she has a phone, honestly. Um, but anyway, hopefully they won't be too surprised or embarrassed by the fact that I'm about to share a story about them, but I'm a pastor's kid. I have decades of them sharing stories about me, so it's their turn. Um, <laughs> Many years ago, I was asked to serve as an elder for our church in uh, San Francisco. This is before we moved back to Chicago. And my journey to eventually saying yes to that request is a story in and of itself that I won't get into. But there was one thing I had to do. One thing I had to do first before I could even start thinking of the process of preparing to serve in that way. I had to make peace with my parents. See, up to that point, I had actually cut them off. I had severed all communication. It had been years since I've actually spent time or talked, sent a message, anything, nothing at all. And I'll tell you, it wasn't hard to do. I lived in San Francisco with Suzette, and they lived in New York. And so it was easy. And to be honest, it was nice. It was peaceful. It was quiet. But for me to be able to serve our family in San Francisco, I had to reconcile with my family in New York. Because basically God had told me, Abe, sacrifice your pride. Reconcile with your parents. Then do my work. See, God uses us through us. This is what I want you to understand. He uses us with the experiences we have, with the scars we have, with the trauma we've had, and hopefully with the wisdom we've gained so that we might bring others who are dealing with similar experiences, similar scars, similar trauma, bring them closer to God. God uses us through us to make the whole holy. Um, we're going to run out of time. There's lots going on today. Uh, I feel like there's a lot going on every Sunday, which is kind of cool. There's just, it just shows that we're growing as a congregation, as a church. Um, but I do have one last point I want to make before we get to do communion together today. Um, first one is this, God uses us through us, right? The second is this, obedience is fire. And I mean that literally, literally and figuratively. Obedience is fire. I want to turn to uh, uh, Leviticus chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. This is what it says there. It says, And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. I'll tell you, there aren't too many places in uh, the Bible where God sends fire down from heaven. It's usually one of two reasons, though, when he does. The first is something to judgment. Something bad needs to be done, like Sodom and Gomorrah, just bam, burn it up, all gone. Some are positive, like today's passage where you see God using fire to fully consume the offering that Aaron, that the Mashiach Cohen, obediently had brought to God, right? Aaron's obedience had made the whole holy, and God called Aaron to obey so that God's glory might come 
to God's beloved. Verse 6, it actually tells exactly why he was called to obey. It says, Moses said, this is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. So, so that's exactly what happened when Aaron obeyed. The glory of the Lord comes down, and fire comes with it. So I realize it's really weird to have me say these words, but obedience brings fire because obedience is fire. I hope I'm using that term right. Obedience is fire. Um, listen, the people of Israel, I, I, I think they understood this as well, right? I, because the shouting and the falling on their faces it's not just fear that's causing this. See, the word that's used for shouting here, it refers to rejoicing, to exaltation, to singing. The people saw a forgiven Mashiach, Aaron, a redeemed representative. They saw God use Aaron through his experiences and through his mistakes. And they witnessed obedience that brought fire from heaven. That shouting, that falling on their faces. Hear me out. I'm going to try this. It's like a stand of Blackpink just screaming dead as they wait for a new song to drop. Half of you didn't understand that, so let me explain. Because um, I, I honestly can't pull it off. I am not a Zoomer. I have so far from it as you can be. Um, and it felt awkward even saying some of these words. I just learned a few things. Like the word stand stands for uh, a stalker level fan, but as Aaron explained to me, um, he explained it's not actually an acronym for stalker fan, it's the uh, name of a dude that used to stalk Eminem. Um, Blackpink, if you don't know, it's a music group that's very popular among many of us here, and dead is a good thing. So all, anyway, two points that I wanna make today, I'm gonna move off of that. God uses us through us, and obedience is fire. Those are the two points I want to leave you with. But let me say this. I don't want to leave with just there. Because today's passage, it is about Aaron and, and the anointed one, right? It's about the priest. So it would be easy to think that this was something that maybe just pastors or ministry leaders like our diaconate or our elder team in training, maybe it's something for them to worry about more than everybody else. But the thing that keeps coming to mind for me is actually a passage from Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. There, God tells the people of Israel, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The apostle Peter says something very similar. In his first letter, in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people for his own possession. The directions, the implications on these priests or pastors, if you want to call them them, their call to serve, it is not limited to priests and pastors or ministry leaders only. Really? It's for all, because we're all called to be a part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We are all called to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So this call to be used by God through our experiences through our hurts, through our trauma, through our joy, this call to obedience that's straight up fire, this is for each of us who have been redeemed by our Savior. Our Savior who is the final and the perfect Mashiach. Today we get to participate in a holy ritual. It's called communion. Uh, I'm going to ask the band, if you guys all uh, can make your way up the stage. 
And I want to mention one last thing as they make their way up here. Everything that Aaron and his kids, that they did with their brand new custom suits, all bedazzled and, and pretty, as they entered into the tabernacle, having gone through the process of being made holy, these leaders who were trying to help the people of Israel rehearse the gospel, as Pastor Clint has mentioned, these folks, these priests, were still whole. They were still common. They merely represented the new Adam, and just for a minute. See, the first Mashiach, Cohen, every other priest following after, they were aesthetically they were beautiful so that they could show God's beauty, ultimately so that we might be able to recognize the most beautiful, the perfect, the permanent Messiah, the one who does not have to go through all these different rituals to become holy. He doesn't have to put on a new custom-made suit. These representative Adams, they were intended to help us recognize the real new Adam. All of this was for us, was intended for us to recognize the final Messiah, Mashiach. The rituals of the old provide us the blueprint to understand why the Son of God had to come and die for us. That's why we're looking at Leviticus. Understand why they, he had to die so that we wouldn't have to. As, as the priest would, would do these things, like uh, the sacrifice that, uh, of the, and pouring out the life-giving blood of a blameless lamb so that we could temporarily be made holy, so that we could temporarily draw near to God. It's all because we want to be able to recognize how our final advocate, how Jesus Christ, the perfect high priest, the beautiful Messiah, how his life-giving blood poured out can make us permanently holy whose sacrifice transforms the whole to holy if we accept this truth in our lives. Thanks for tuning in to this week's COTV Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit us online at cotv.life. God bless and have a great week.